Hey, I'm Kevin Morris, and welcome to episode number 34 of the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Well, welcome, friends. As I said, I'm your host, Kevin Morris, and thanks for joining me on another episode here on the Better Bible Reading Podcast. Today's episode number 34. And before we get any further, I would like to direct your attention back to episodes ago, episode number 32, because the last time we had a in-studio recording like this one, I shared four exciting new announcements with the Better Bible Reading Podcast and BetterBibleReading.com as the broad uh, brand. And uh, I shared that with you all. I got some good... Uh, listening participation, uh, but I'd like to get even more, and I'd like you to not miss out on anything that is coming up in the future and things that I am excited to share with you. So instead of rehashing all that, what I'd like to do is direct you to go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash episode 32, and there you will be able to see in a written form with the show notes as well as the audio recording from that episode and uh, you'll be up to speed on everything exciting happening uh, with this podcast, with my website coming up in the near future, uh, especially once we round the corner of the year 2020. If the Lord wills, I'm super excited to start sharing even more content than I am right now. One thing I will say is that this particular podcast, as you have heard me mention, especially if you listen to that last episode, is supported by my Patreon page. And so if you would like to be part of the uh, people who support what I do, help me offset the cost. I'm nowhere near uh, getting this to where it uh, funds me entirely. I would love to see that happen to where I could just focus all of my attention and energy on this podcast and other, uh, other things for you to benefit from. But for now, at least to help offset the costs of what I put into this. Um, you can help me by going to Patreon, and you can pledge your support. And don't worry, because whatever support you do pledge, I pledge to share exclusive content with you. You can check that out at Patreon. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash better Bible reading. You'll see an intro video that explains everything to you. And the different options right now, there are three different ways, three different tiers that you can choose from to support the work that I do if it benefits you and you believe in what I'm doing. All right, so let's talk today about something that I suppose in some ways could be a bit of a soapbox for myself, but ultimately it's something that I really want you to think about. I was thinking about this off and on, honestly, for the past several years, but especially uh, the other day, right in the car talking to my wife, we were just talking about church life and how different it can be for so many varieties, so many different people. And the idea of church leadership came up. Specifically, when I say church leadership, I mean pastors, elders, deacons, those who are in leadership positions at our churches, and how we think about that. And then even more so, I started to think about how 
so many of us have a different experience as members of various congregations. And so this episode is about thinking about the way that we, the popular phrase of our culture is how we do church. And maybe a better way to say that is how we believe the church should function. Now that's a huge, huge conversation piece that could take a extremely long time to unpack. In fact, there's an entire discipline in theology, which is called ecclesiology, and that is the study of the church, how church structures have come and gone through the ages, different expressions of church, different expressions of worship, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So this is a huge category, but I, I want to think uh, today in terms of, of our own experience. I had a conversation today at work with a man who said he was raised Roman Catholic, considers himself today to be more of a Baptist, uh, but then he reflected on his time uh, that he spent years ago in the military, and he said to me, you know, with all my traveling and seeing the world and just exposing myself to different religions, I, I, I've come to the conclusion that I think it's really all the same thing. It's really all pointing us to the same thing and, you know, find what works for you and to lead you on that right path is how he put it, and you'll be good as gold. And he was just reflecting, sharing with me his view of, honestly, in that little uh, conversation, he was honestly sharing his view about what he thought about salvation, what he thought about how we should conduct ourselves in terms of religious practice. And I was, I was impressed because I got to thinking, you know, there's really two ways that we can think it's all the same thing. The first way that we can say it's all the same thing is when we think broadly, when we're talking about different religions altogether. In his case, he thought, well, all religions kind of point us to the same thing. They all lead to the final conclusion. And as long as you pick in, any road to, to jump on, they're all going to get you to the interstate. Or if you think about it this way, any river is going to lead you back to the ocean eventually, and that's where you want to get, right? So it's kind of that jump on the train at any stop, and as long as you're there, then you have nothing to worry about. And that would be the first way that we think about religion and worship. But this particular conversation today is is an in-house debate. Um, it's It's thinking not about different religions, but it's thinking about what do we consider under the broad umbrella of Christianity. And so what I have in mind here is different church denominations and even uh, what is very popular in American Christianity is the conversation between traditional-styled churches and contemporary-styled churches and how relevant that might be to people who come through the doors. So, you know, like I said, 
take your pick on any of these. I could probably devote an entire episode to any one of them. And by the way, I'd be totally fine to do that. If that's something that you'd be interested in hearing more about, you can go to betterbiblereading.com forward slash ask, and you can submit to me any of these topics that I kind of sweep through that you'd like to have more dedicated time spent with. So totally fine with that. But for today, I'm not going to be able to cover all of them in depth. So let's just do a broad sweep today. Thinking about church leadership and even church government. My story is that I grew up in a Southern Baptist church in Southeast Georgia and uh, went to church all my life. Down the road, I got out of that church and experimented, uh, not really self-consciously at the time, uh, but experimented in a totally different expression of church life, and that was a church that was basically formed primarily to be a relevant contemporary church. So you compare that to a traditional Baptist church, and it's night and day. You have a more modern translation of the Bible. You have strictly contemporary songs. You don't have a praise team. You don't have a choir. You have a worship team. You have a band. You have a music team. And you employ all the latest technology of sound equipment and uh, lighting, even fog machines, I'm ashamed to say. And that was a totally different expression of church life. And the structure of pastor was different as well. There was, in the traditional church, especially in the Southern Baptist Church, there was one lead pastor, and at times he had um, an associate pastor, kind of his assistant, and then there were deacons. And for those of you who are kind of in a Southern Baptist Church setting, you know that deacons uh, possess a lot of authority. They possess a lot of uh, leadership, decision-making, responsibility, those type of things in the church. You go to the contemporary expression that I, that I had, and the pastor was more of a CEO, he was more of a kind of image of the brand, and the church was very much designed to function as a brand. There was heavy emphasis placed on the logo. There was the design elements of the church itself. And by the way, the pastor had, I'm not saying this is wrong necessarily in every situation, but at least in this one, I want to put out the facts, the pastor did have a security guard that was by him at all times. In fact, when he was in his office, his office had a cyber lock uh, keypad for the doorknob, and this security guard stood outside the door when the pastor was in the office. So this was a totally different setting from what I grew up in. A couple years later, um, I had an opportunity to start a church in my hometown. And I would say that in terms of form and things like that, that we were kind of a happy medium. We weren't the necessarily 
traditional extremes. We weren't the contemporary extremes, but we were very much uh, self-consciously non-denominational. And that didn't necessarily have to say so much about the fact that we weren't okay with other denominations, but it had more to say with the fact that we were really starting with no backing or affiliation with anyone else. We were very much trying to figure things out as we went. And I think that there was a lot of sincerity to that, right? There's a lot of, um, it's a noble way of thinking in a lot of ways because we don't want to, um, presume anything. We don't want to uh, be corrupt or go with the culture. We want to figure things out as we go. And that was uh, really the bulk of my ministry life was spent uh, in that church over almost seven years there. And uh, just by natural progression of growing in my understanding of the Bible and feeling the Lord call me to more of a uh, strictly teaching ministry. My wife and I made the decision to uh, step down from that church, and we moved away. And when I moved away, I had an opportunity to really do some reflection. Now, I was doing a lot of reflection about what I believed the Bible to teach. And part of that was because I really wanted to pursue a calling of teaching. And so even when I served in that church, I was an associate pastor, had opportunities to preach on Sunday mornings. I had many occasions of one-on-one discipleship and group teaching and things of that nature. And so I was really scouring the Bible every single day, really trying to know what I was talking about. I wanted to be right. I wanted to teach God's people correctly. But it wasn't really until I stepped out of that ministry context until I started to think even more specifically about different churches and different denominations. And my thought was, okay, if I'm going to be a professor in any capacity one day, I really want to know where I land on some of the issues that weren't beforehand really investigated as much by myself. And part of that was just because I was a young man, still consider myself to be a young man now, and I just hadn't had the time, the exposure to really think about these things. But now that I had the chance to think about them more in depth, I really wanted to know. I really wanted to not presume anything, but I wanted to weigh the options and figure out what I thought to be most biblically faithful, most edifying to my own life, best for leading my family in. This time we were getting ready to have our first child. So I'm not only thinking as a husband, I was thinking as a future father, what kind of setting I want to place my my family in. And I had time to think about all this. And so over the course of several months, my wife and I had decided, you know, we had conversations with people. We visited different churches. I already knew Uh, some denominations that I was sure that I didn't land where they landed theologically or in practice, Uh, but there were a few um, really to pick from, or also the question of, do I want to be a part of a denomination? And anyways, uh, we ended up being um, 
convinced scripturally um, and in conversations between each other that uh, we would be part of the Presbyterian Church in America, which is the PCA. It's the second largest Presbyterian denomination in the United States. Um, but it is the conservative Presbyterian denomination. Uh, the mainline Presbyterian denomination, the PCUSA, is now common of being considered uh, what we call liberal theology. So much of the historic Christian doctrines have been up for debate in that denomination. It's very much gone to the political left, um, extremely so, in who can be ordained, views on marriage, what is homosexuality, is it necessary to believe that Jesus actually rose from the dead, right? So main big-time issues are now up for debate in that denomination. So that's not the one that I'm part of. I want to make sure I make that clear. So I'm in the conservative PCA, Presbyterian Church in America. And part of that, um, people would say, is just a matter of opinion or just a matter of preference. We hear that a lot. Well, traditional music, contemporary music, just a matter of what you prefer. It's just your preference. But one of the things that is actually really important to me in Presbyterian theology and Presbyterian church practice is the view of leadership. Now, as a Protestant, as somebody who considers themselves to be a Protestant along with many other denominations in the United States, right? Thinking about Baptist, you think about Methodists in some variety, many non-denominational churches, right? All of us are Protestants, and that is to say that as we consider ourselves to be Christians, we do not believe that we are Roman Catholic. And a lot of times when we think about leadership, we kind of end the conversation at the fact of, well, we're not Roman Catholic. We don't believe in the Pope. We don't believe that pastors should possess absolute authority and consider them consider them as priests. So as long as we don't care about that, everything else is really just a matter of opinion and preference. But, you know, in Presbyterianism, it's different from a Baptist setting. It's also different from a Methodist setting or an Anglican setting or non-denominational setting or even a Pentecostal or Church of God or charismatic setting. Every single one of those church expressions are different in their leadership structure. And this episode is not necessarily about trying to convince you of Presbyterian church government and leadership, but what I'm trying to have you consider is this. When we talk about reading the Bible and coming to an understanding of the Bible, it should convince and convict us of how we set our lives into motion, right? It should have impact on our lives, how we think about our marriage, right? We should think about our marriage differently when we read the Bible. We should think about ourselves as employees or employers differently. But one of the ways that we tend to not think about it as much is when we think about church life or even issues such as church leadership. We kind of just leave that wide open for, 
hey, you know, whatever floats your boat at your church, and I'll do what I want at my church. But sometimes we just are totally absent-minded as Christians. Not everybody gets to have that time of self-reflection where you just set yourself outside of everything that you've been involved with, take a moment to breathe, and hit a reset button and just think about, is there things that I want to change? Is there things in my life that I don't think really aligns with my biblical views? Or better yet, I don't have a sure biblical view on this or that, right? We don't tend to do that. Many of us simply can't afford the time to do that. But what I want to encourage you to do is not just say, hey, you all should be Presbyterians like Kevin is, but instead, I want to encourage you to consider the church that you belong to. Why is that? Well, it's because, first of all, I hope that you are a part of a church. I hope that you participate more day in and day out with God's people, and you worship together with God's people as he commands us to do, and not only be an individual internet Christian. There's a time and place for that, and obviously I believe there is, otherwise I wouldn't have this podcast and all the things that I do online. But I want you to consider the church that you attend, the structure of that church, the ethos of that church, the day in and day out of that church. And I want you to think, is this biblical? Does this do justice to what God's Word teaches about leadership structure, about worship music preference, about how often or not how often we gather, whether or not a church has Wednesday night or Sunday night, right? So many times we just kind of assume that whatever the church is doing or not doing is the right way to do it. Well, on what basis is that, right? We should be convinced of what we are a part of. We should take a long, hard look in the mirror of our church participation. And I'm not saying that you better be part of a perfect church. There better be not a single thing that you don't agree with. But I'm saying, do you see that what you are a part of is faithful to what God's Word teaches us about what church life should be? That's what I'm asking. So, do you go to a Pentecostal church because you believe that it is biblical? Have you considered why other people are not Pentecostals, and do you think they have biblical grounds for that? Or do you just go there because you really like the style of music they have? Or do you just go there because that's where your parents went? That's what you grew up in. That's all you've ever known, so that's what you're going to be a part of. I don't think that's a good method because what we're leaving out is the conviction and convincing that we all should have ourselves as individuals when we read the Bible. Another example, are you a Baptist? Because baptism is just that one doctrine that you think the Baptists just have totally right, and you're not willing to wiggle on that whatsoever. And so that's where you're going to land. You're not ever going to be a part of 
a Methodist church or a Presbyterian church or an Anglican church because they practice baptism differently, right? I mean, these are issues that we should spend more than five minutes thinking about watching a YouTube debate or having a conversation debate on Facebook. I think that God wants us to be convinced in our minds of what we are a part of. And it's right and it's good that if along the way we find something that we don't agree with, we have conversations, we think about it biblically, and we restructure our lives accordingly. That's what we should be. We should be thinking people. It's, we shouldn't be absent-minded people, right? We want to have a connection between our study of the Bible, our knowledge of the Bible, and how we live our lives, but don't forget the painfully obvious category of church life and church practice that we tend to throw out the window so many times. One of the things that I appreciate in Presbyterian church structure is the leadership structure. So I come from really two extremes where on the one hand, the Baptist pastor was looked at as the leader, but at the same time, he always had to fight to appease the deacons. The deacons were kind of the roundtable group that kind of influenced what he could or could not do on any given day, and that's um, maybe a sad uh, characterization of how it was, but that is, at least in my uh, in my view, that's how it was. Then you go to a different church structure, such as the uh, contemporary style, and the lead pastor in that sense is the CEO. There's really no leadership board. The only thing that really has to be looked at is how are these decisions going to affect the big-time financial supporters? Other than that, the lead pastor is really just does whatever in the world he wants, leads the church in whatever direction he wants, and even unchallenged because in those kind of churches, uh, you don't have a plurality of pastors, at least in the ultimate sense. Now, you might have a discipleship pastor. You might have a small group pastor. You might have a youth pastor. You might have what they call an executive pastor. But all these pastors have their own little realms, and there's not ever supposed to be any crossover between ultimately what the lead pastor, head pastor, senior pastor wants to do. And in my opinion, and I think biblically speaking too, there's a lot of room for problems there. There's a lot of room for corruption, for hypocrisy, because the lead pastor goes unchecked at the end of the day. And a matter of fact, most people's complaints that they have of churches stem from examples of churches that don't have any checks and balances in their leadership, especially when it comes to like televangelists, for instance, like all of those structure their churches around the fact that that lead pastor operates as a CEO. He calls all the shots. Nobody is really able to come up and challenge him in anything because at the end of the day, if they don't like it, well, just leave because this pastor is going to do what he wants to do. 
And by the way, if you try to challenge him or even sue him, he has a pristine team of attorneys. Now, that's an exaggeration of extreme examples, but they do exist, and we hear about them on the news all the time. Are you a part of those kind of churches? Have you seen more good or more bad? Well, Presbyterian theology views the leadership structure of the church as being a plurality of elders. That is to say, even the word Presbyterian comes from the Greek word presbyteros, which means elder. And so one thing that you can be sure of in Presbyterian government is that the church is made up of more than one head honcho, if you want to put it that way. And certainly there are extremes and there are abuses in any leadership setting. I'm not saying that I have found the golden ticket here, and I'm not saying that all of you need to suddenly jump on the bandwagon, but what I am saying is think about these things, right? Be convinced biblically of these things. And just as a simple example of Presbyterianism, the way that the church is structured is this, that the church is made up of a session. There is more than one elder of that church. Now, we still use the word lead pastor or senior pastor, but he has to be on board with the other pastor or two other pastors that are at that church. Now, sometimes those are also teaching pastors, just as the senior pastor is, but sometimes he's more of an administrative or what we call in our denomination a ruling elder. So, church leadership is made up of ruling elders and teaching elders, and that's what we call our session. So there's checks and balances within the church itself, and it works beautifully. I think there's biblical grounds for it. I think we see it in the New Testament where Paul calls Timothy to raise up elders, right? Or we even see it in the book of Acts where there is a plurality of elders to consider things. And in addition to that, what's really cool about Presbyterian church government is that we not only are in one accord in our local church, but our church is part of a presbytery. And that is to say that in our denomination, we have different regions or different presbyteries. And each church that is part of that presbytery is alongside one another. It's really a beautiful thing because what that means on one hand is that if a pastor has some kind of power struggle issue or the pastor becomes immoral or something to that nature, that doesn't mean that everybody in that church has to leave and go find another church. What it actually means is that they get to look to the presbytery and see that that pastor either comes to repentance or that some kind of discipline is put into motion. And that's a good thing because we're imperfect people, and we can't expect that every pastor is going to be perfect, but we also shouldn't expect that any time a problem comes up in the church, we just leave the church and go to another one. So you have a plurality of leadership in 
the local church, but you also have a strengthening of churches amongst themselves. And while we are part at my church of the North Florida Presbytery, we have multiple different churches spanning all the way up from north of Jacksonville all the way down to Gainesville, Florida. We have chances for our churches to get together and grow together, get to know one another, but also the pastors, every elder from each of those churches meet at what we call presbytery four times a year. And they are able to be involved with raising up new pastors in ordination. They have the opportunity to know the needs of those churches, to pray uh, for those needs, and they strengthen one another as pastors and hold each other in check as pastors as well. And I just think that's something that I've just never been able to be a part of uh, previous to this time in my life. I think it's a biblical picture, right? You look at Acts 15, where there was a doctrinal issue that needed to be solved. The Jerusalem Council is a beautiful picture of what presbytery is. It's plurality of elders from different areas coming together to be in one accord. And it's a good thing. It's a biblical thing. And I think that so many of us that are kind of Lone Ranger church members or Lone Ranger churches, we miss out on so much that can be gained from this. And that's not to say that there is not a doctrinal integrity, because obviously as a denomination, we adhere to the same beliefs, the same doctrines, at least the ones that distinguish us as a denomination. But again, this isn't about convincing you of a denomination. It's an example from my life to encourage you and challenge you to take a long, hard look at your own church life. Now, you might be listening to this as a leader, as a pastor in your church. You also might be listening to this, I would assume, just as a member of the congregation. You might be involved on a team or involved in some kind of rotation where you serve, and I hope that you are, but you might not be in uh, official, formal leadership of the church. But what I want, again, is to encourage you to think, are you part of something that you believe to be biblical? And really, I'd be excited if your answer is, well, I'm not really sure. I've never thought about it. I've never spent a lot of time even thinking about that. Well, if that's true, then this episode has done its job because I want to make you aware of thinking about it. I think that we should think about it. I think that we should decide in light of it. So here's what I'm going to leave you with, your homework for today. Or you can start tomorrow morning, whatever works out better. I'm not sure what time you're listening to this. But here's your homework. You get off of this podcast audio player. You have time to think for a minute. I want you to consider the church you go to, your involvement at that church, and ask yourself this. If I could summarize why I go to this church in one sentence, what would I say? And then I want you to write down what that answer is. 
And your second step is this, to think about some of the big ticket issues that divide churches. Just some examples would be this, contemporary or traditional music, leadership structure, what the church believes about baptism, what the church believes about predestination, what the preaching style of the pastor or pastors is. And the last one and most important one is this, how much my church encourages me to look at all of those other issues I just mentioned from a biblical perspective to prove whether or not that church is in accord with what the Bible has to say. And I think that last one is going to be really revealing because you're going to find out the church that you go to, whether that church encourages you to dive into all of those, because what you'll find in the end is that your church is in agreement with what the Bible teaches, or you're going to find out that the church itself hasn't spent much time really thinking about those issues. And this will honestly be a big project, probably. I don't think you're going to really get your answers all in one shot, but this is just to get you started because I want everybody that listens to this to be absolutely convinced of the expression of Christianity of which they are a part of. We all have so much problems of commitment in our lives, but one of the problems of commitment that we have in churches is because we just frankly, don't spend enough time being convinced of what we are a part of. And so I hope that this episode encourages you, and I hope it really gets you thinking, right? We're finishing up this year. We're going into a new year. We have a lot of exciting things in store here on the podcast and over at betterbiblereading.com. But I really want to challenge you in this episode to think about some things that you just maybe not think about on a regular basis. And so I hope that you are eager to set out from this and start doing some homework and start being involved in perhaps one of the most important reflections that you've ever done in your life. And so I wish you luck. And uh, honestly, I'll be praying for all of you. I would love to hear feedback and I would love to hear what your discovery reveals about yourself, and reveals about your convictions. So that's it for episode number 34. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy the rest of your day. I'm excited for another conversation to have with you real soon. So God bless. Take care.